Hi, everyone. Welcome to All Things Creative. I'm your host, Linda Riesenberg Fissler, and today we have Mandy Tice with us. Um, Mandy, I have watched Mandy grow over the years, and, and when I say that, I don't mean like from a small child. I met Mandy, I guess, back in 2014. I think that's when I was at Track um, Broadcasting Live, so somewhere in there. But um, at that time, Mandy was attending an atelier, which we're going to talk about later, so I'll let her, her give you the background on that. And um, she was just about ready to graduate. We we actually talked about her possibly coming to uh, my little hometown of Middletown and um, to, to start an atelier here. Uh, but things didn't work out there. But I'm telling you, she took the right track. <laughs> and, and I know that she's very happy with everything that she's doing now. And I'm really excited to bring Mandy to you all to, to, for her to talk about her art journey and what she's up to now and the fact that um, we're both going to be presenting at track here. So welcome, Mandy. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's such a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's um, like I said, it, it's been such great fun watching you uh, along your art journey. And, and I mean, I, it's not like I was bugging you every 10 minutes. I was kind of stalking you, I guess, more on Facebook. <laughs> Stuff, but uh, that's what Facebook is for. Yeah, right. But it was kind of you know, it's just nice because I would see your name come up and the fun things that you've been doing. So let's let's start out with you started as a certified kindergarten through twelfth grade art teacher and you're co-president of the Washington Art Education Association. So that um, I'm sure your art journey started way before that, like when you were in school. So wherever you want to start, just start to take <laughs> us down this path that you've been on because it's not an overnight success thing. It's, this is putting in a lot of years and getting a lot of education and, and doing a Absolutely. lot of you know, miles of canvas, if you will. So, so start <laughs> us out. Tell us about your journey. Sure. Uh, so I am a certified licensed art teacher, like you mentioned. Um, I'm certified to teach kindergarten through 12th grade art, and I was teaching in a school in Montana and one of my students uh, really wanted to draw this picture of a guy flying through a cloud, right? Mm -hmm. And no matter how much I tried to help him, I just couldn't help him achieve the vision, like the way he saw it in his head, right? So I started looking for help. You know, he wanted to make it really realistic. You know, I was looking for drawing classes every night, like scrambling, trying to help the student. And I stumbled upon Julia Ercidi's book, um, Classical Drawing Atelier. And I couldn't believe when I found this book that all this knowledge and all the, these skills, you could go get them if you just trained in this magical place, right, called an atelier. <laughs> right. Uh, I really I really felt like someone was telling me I got to go to Hogwarts, right? Like if I just go <laughs> to this magical place for six years, uh, I can do what I'd always dreamed and wanted to do and I didn't know was possible. Um, so anyways, I, I learned about atelier training that way and, uh, you know, her books are very dangerous. I always recommend them and I always say be careful because I left my career and moved to Seattle to train with Juliet Arasidi by reading these books. Right. Um, so I, I was studying with Juliet when I first met you at Toronto a few years back. And uh, the thing, the interesting thing was is that a lot of my art teacher friends were like, Mandy, how are you doing that? How did you, like, where are you learning that? And so I started teaching my art teacher friends what I knew, and then their art teacher friends started contacting me. And the next thing you knew, um, I had essentially co-founded the Da Vinci Initiative with Carol Lysandra Ross, um, who also runs the Art Renewal Center. And, uh, you know, it became its own nonprofit organization to support training art teachers in the public school and private school. We're not just public school, um, but any, any teacher working with students who are in the kindergarten through 12th grade range, uh, we provide training and resources. 
We provide lesson plans. And, you know, I really believe in investing in educators because when we train an art teacher, we're training thousands of potential students and bringing knowledge to thousands of potential students. Absolutely. Yeah. This, yeah. It, it, so it's really been great. So go ahead. I don't, I don't think you're finished yet, right? Oh, <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> so, you know, I got the atelier training. Uh, you know, I'm a painter myself. Um, you know, I've, I've been exhibiting across the country. I was in the Legacy exhibit um, a year or so ago and, you know, exhibit. Uh, I have an exhibit coming up uh, as part of the Air City's alumni show at the Mary Hill Art Museum. Oh, nice. Um, and uh, as you mentioned, I, I've been really involved in education as well. I'm actually now the former co-president of the Washington Art Education Association. I just finished up my tenure in October, so I get to call myself a former uh, president now. Um, but I'm, I'm very much involved in the art education world. and. Something I'd really like to communicate to people who are artists in, in the atelier world is just that our teachers love learning and they're very interested in learning this. And as long as we present it to them in a way that's safe for them, that makes it safe for them to say, I don't know this already, but I'd like to learn, um, they're very eager uh, to, to learn these skills and, and be a part of our community. Yeah, that's it. it you know, nobody likes to stop learning. I think that's all part of our creative nature is, you know, that that extension of getting the skills so that we can express ourselves correctly or, or not even correctly, but just express ourselves. Yeah. And, um, well, and yeah, what I tell, um, you know, our teachers all the time is that, you know, I just want students to have the skills so that they can create the artwork that's in their head and their hearts and that they should never have to compromise uh, mm -hmm. their vision. Right? right. And so I see myself as giving them tools in their toolbox so that they, they can create and execute their visions without compromise. Yeah. It's really interesting because I have a, a one student, uh, I teach at a little art center here in, in our town and one of my students came in. I had actually, I, I had to chuckle when you said that about Juliet's books because I took Juliet's books <laughs> into class and everybody were, we, we were kind of uh -huh. looking through them and talking about different things. And, and, um, the next week, my, one of my students came back and, um, he had been talking to a former student of Daniel Graves and ah. yeah, and, and he comes walking in and he says, you know what? I think I'm going to go stand, study with Daniel. And I'm, just kind of looked at him because I was like, I think Daniel's in Italy. And he goes, at last I thought, you know, and he's like, yeah, I think mm -hmm. he's you know, so like, we we're like going on back and forth talking. I'm like, well, you, you do know that Juliet's in Seattle. And, <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, if you want to go live in Italy, I can understand that. But it, Oh, sure. Just, I mean, they're both great teachers, you exactly. know, um, and, and wonderful promoters of, of Atelier knowledge. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I really have a great respect for both of them. Right. So it was really kind of interesting because like, like you said, he was the one that was really standing there studying Juliet's books and, and different things like that. And then, then, then he just happened to meet a former student of Daniel's and they had kind of the same oh, conversations right. that we're having. So, um, yeah, it is contagious. <laughs> so yes. well, warning on something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you hit on something that's really important too, which is access to Atelier training. Um, it's growing and, mm -hmm. and becoming more accessible, but it's still very limited. And so one thing that the Vinci Initiative, um, the nonprofit that I co-founded with Kara Ross, uh, is really doing is trying to provide in-depth online classes through our YouTube channel. Um, we have them available in our store so that people who are at home can get at least some access and training that's much more in-depth than they would otherwise receive, you know. Um, so we've been, those classes have been wildly popular. I, I get people from all over the world sending me their um, bark plate drawings. We have a bark plate drawing class that's free on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And it's astonishing what people are actually able to achieve, um, you know, with just some of the knowledge. You know, I always 
advocate that people go train in person, but I, I do feel like we need to provide as much access to as much knowledge as we can. And um, these classes have been just huge. I, I get emails all over the world with people sending me their bark plates and asking me questions, you know, and, and help asking for help learning, which is so wonderful and exciting to me as an educator, you know, to right. see the engagement. Yeah, that's great. So I know people are sitting there going, okay, now what's that, that email or what's that website, the YouTube account. So go ahead and tell them. <laughs> uh, sure. So our, we actually now run two websites. We have davinciinitiative.org, which is where all of our lesson plans and uh, our online classes are. And we recently opened up a teaching studio in the New York City area in Jersey City. Uh, and the website for that is davinciinitiativeatelier.org. Um, so we have programs where we bring art teachers from all over the country. Actually, it's international now. Um, and they come train in the summers when they have their times off, uh, you know, time off from teaching. Um, they come from Colorado and Kentucky and Idaho and everywhere. Uh, and it's really wonderful to have this group of dedicated art teachers. And then, you know, they text me year round with what their programs are and what like the projects they're doing with their students. Um, we also have a very close relationship with the Jersey City Public School District. They train with us multiple times a year. Um, actually, I have 21 of the 60 art teachers in the Jersey City Public School District training with me for the rest of the semester this year. Um, so oh, we have a whole school district uh, completely engaged with uh, integrating this training into their curriculum. Great. So let's take a step back because we kind of jumped right into the Da Vinci Institute. So oh. tell us the mission. <laughs> Sorry. That's, no, no, that's okay. Tell us the mission of yes. the Da Vinci Institute and um, just, I guess, the driving you, driving force that you and Kara did to set that up, you basically described already. So let's just talk about sure. uh, its mission, and then we'll get into um, a little bit deeper conversation about about that. Sure. So the Da Vinci Initiative, uh, we believe that all children should have access to knowledge and skills, and we believe in atelier training for contemporary classrooms. So um, we provide as much access as we can for teachers and students uh, to access atelier training, we connect them with ateliers, uh, we promote all the ateliers that um, work with the Art Renewal Center and are recognized by the Art Renewal Center. Um, we, we work with them to connect them with local art education communities and state art education associations. We write lesson plans to help teachers. We provide online classes. And our online class on YouTube, if you um, put in DaVinci Initiative into the YouTube search, uh, educators can actually get college and graduate level credit for taking that class. And actually, you don't even have to be an educator. So anybody that needs an undergraduate or graduate level class, we have a partnership with the Heritage Institute where you can do a, a bark plate drawing and receive college credit for that, which is incredible. Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, we're just building those relationships with the education community. Um, I kind of view the DaVinci Initiative as the bridge between the atelier community and the education community. Um, so, uh, you know, I want to bring atelier knowledge to the education community, and I want to help bring good teaching practice to the atelier community. Okay, that sounds great. I mean, it's I just, like I said, I just sit here in awe of all your energy that you have and, <laughs> and what you've been doing. So it's been so great. And, and it's kind of like my little hometown's lost to not have you here doing these things. But, you know, Aww. like I said, it's... <laughs> It's uh, really exciting to watch you and, and to uh, see everything you've been up to. So um, let's oh, go a little you. bit deeper. Um, let's start talking about uh, like the skills um, that you teach and um, discuss. So I'm actually talking like the art skills and art technique and things sure. like that. So go into that a little bit. So one of the interesting challenges that I have working with K-12 educators and K-12 classrooms is that 
in an atelier, you have all day, every day, in theory, to work on your cast drawing or your bark plate, whereas art teachers in the classrooms have 45 minutes. Right. So how can we break down the information that you learn in an atelier into digestible chunks for 45-minute class periods when you have 30 to 40 students per class? Because that's what most art educators are looking at in this country right now. Um, so a, a lot of what we do that's been successful is take really complex ideas like draw a bark plate. Well, if you have 45 minutes, what's one concept on a bark plate that you can actually teach? So maybe the first lesson that we advocate for our teachers to teach when they're teaching bark plates is let's find the height and the width of this bark plate, mark it on your page, and maybe find the envelope shape or you know five or six big straight lines to describe the overall shape of our subject. And that might be all they do in that period. And then the next period, it might be let's look for some follow-through lines. And then the next period, it might be let's try to find three shadow shapes, right? So we have to think really differently when we're working in the public school and private schools for that matter uh, about the pace of information because they don't have the luxury of having their kids all day every day. But there's no reason this knowledge can't be taught and integrated in the public schools. We just need to think about it in, in smaller pieces. Great. Yeah. So for those of us who were never trained in an atelier, tell us what a bark place is. Oh, yes. Uh, so. So a bark plate, <laughs> uh, you no, know, I I love the histories of bark plates because essentially um, Donald Jerome uh, was commissioned to create a drawing course that was uh, basically these plates that went out and they were lithographed. And the idea was that students would copy them. And by the time they got into his atelier, they would have a higher level of skill. Or by the time they got to the Code of Beaux Arts, they would have a higher level skill um, in France where he was based. And what's interesting is if you think about it, it really was one of the first national drawing curricula ever created, huh. uh, which is amazing uh, to think about today, especially because these plates were printed and shipped out to schools, you know, all over throughout France. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really incredible to see that, that at some point in our history, of course, children could learn these skills, right? Mm -hmm. We tend to think that, oh, that's too hard for children today. But in fact, 12-year-olds were expected to do that. There's a bark plate Picasso did as a child that is in the, the Prado Museum, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, just because we aren't teaching this information to younger students right now doesn't mean that they aren't cognitively able to learn it. It's just that we have not been in the habit of teaching it at those ages. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, anyways, back to a bark plate. Uh, it was basically a drawing curricula created uh, by, uh, it, it was conceptualized by um, Jerome and then uh, he commissioned Bark to do the lithography for it, and he was doing such a good job that he just let Bark take over the class, and uh, now we know it more as the Bark drawing course. Okay, so it's actually like like you were talking before, you have your, your basic lines. Is it like, I'm, I'm trying to, is it something similar to the rule of thirds or the golden mean? You have these different lines that are... So really what it is is um, it, they were drawings of cast. So oh. a bark plate, um, it, it was all these drawings of cast. Um, and so you would copy the drawings of cast, and then you would progress the drawing from the cast directly. And it was a way, because when you work from 2D information to 2D information, it's an easier visual problem than going from a 3D cast to 2D information. But you have some skills developed from, from the 2D to 2D experience to go into the 3D to 2D experience. 
Ah, okay. Now I'm following you. <laughs> so, sorry. sorry, I wasn't Atelier trained, so that's, I always find the. Gotcha, gotcha. So. <laughs> well, you know, we live in such a visual world. I, I like, I literally just pulled up a bark plate like in my hand while I was talking to you, and I'm like, oh yeah, you can't see this. <laughs> <laughs> that's this right. Is what yeah. it is. Yep, yep. We're only audio, unfortunately. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if, if you would like to, you know, just type into your favorite search engine bark plate, uh, they'll come up and, and you'll see what they are. Okay. Yeah, that'd be great. So, um, so then I assume that you're traveling a lot or do you were saying that some folks come to you and naturally you're working out of Jersey mm -hmm. city as well, but you do do travel to other okay. States to do this education teacher. I do. Or an education teacher. Um, yeah, absolutely. So um, one thing uh, is that every state has an art education association and for the most part, teachers have to gather once a year at the Art Education Association conference in that state in order to get professional development credits to renew their licenses, right? Okay. So it's a great opportunity for anybody with atelier training or who wants to connect with the art education community to go to these state conferences and present. They're always looking for artists to present and share what they know. So I would encourage your audience, anybody who's an artist that would like to you know, contribute to art education of our youth, please go to these conferences, submit a proposal to present a drawing class, even if it's just a demonstration, if you if you feel unsure about teaching a group of teachers, like just offer a demonstration and show what you know, um, teach them a little vocabulary about atelier training, you know, that it exists. Uh, most art teachers don't know what that word means. Um, just presenting and using that word would um, go a long way to helping shift the culture of art education towards a skill-based um, methodology yeah yeah that's, that's great so um is there i know that you are, are are you connected in any way also with the art renewal center with other than just being oh, a co-founder with Kara? yeah so talk about that association yeah. <laughs> okay so uh, we are actually the sister organization to the art renewal center um the reason that we chose to make it a separate organization from the art renewal center is because we're working uh especially in public education and because the Art Renewal Center has that wonderful library of paintings um, with many nude figures, which are quite beautiful, uh, unfortunately right now in public education, that would prevent art teachers from going to that website. Yeah. So we made it a separate organization because of the issue of nudity that is currently perceived as um, inappropriate for public schools, which I hope to change that mentality also. But as of right, right. now, one thing at a time, the Sistine Chapel even <laughs> is a challenge to show in a public school system. Yeah, sometimes I wonder about that. I, I just had a total off topics conversation. I was um, <laughs> flagged in Patreon because I had one title on my Patreon page is Let Me Entertain You. Uh, oh, <laughs> and they deemed that somebody under 18 couldn't look at that. It was all very clean. I'm like, I'm not oh, even going to go. I know. I'm goodness. not even going to go fight this, you know? Uh, it's just like, right. I get it, you know? All right. Right. <laughs> so I'm sort of thinking, I yes. paint nudes, and now all of a sudden it has to be 15, you know, or 18 and over for people to see my page. Whatever. Okay. Sure. <laughs> I mean, I, I work with hundreds and, and probably over a thousand, you know, thousands, I, I would feel comfortable saying of adolescent children um, or young teenagers or young adults, right? And, you know, we talk about like body image ideas, but we only ever let the advertising industry show the human figure, right? And right. because artists uh, have not broadly taken up the human figure as a subject or let the human figure drop as a subject uh, more or less for the last hundred years, uh, the, the people most incentivized to, cre to um, create 
images of the human figure are incentivized to make them look in a way that you can only look if you buy XYZ product, right? Right. Uh, and even that is kind of a lie, right, when they Photoshop the figures and whatnot. So, uh-huh. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think it's quite a shame that figure drawing isn't a, a part of uh, all curricula because in part it shows the beauty in all the different types of figures and I think it would do wonders for a lot of these kids who are really struggling with body image issues. Yeah I agree yeah so much so and uh, we one of the things that we're looking at at the um, in my class I have a drawing class that I that I teach nowhere near the atelier style but um, it's Mm -hmm. really kind of interesting because a lot of them have they always come in with beginner skills and they're like I want to paint the figure and I always look at them and go Mm -hmm. You know, I really would love to help you, but I haven't been trained in that. But I got some books. Right. <laughs> Let's look through the books and see how we can do this. Yeah. So we might get brave just, you know, right. and have a model come in and just see what kind of mm-hmm. things we can do and maybe struggle along together. But, you know, it is it is interesting that, you know, we don't teach that. I mean, we can certainly in uh, biology start, you know, learning the names of the bones and the muscles and things like that. And that's all part of the atelier training. You guys You know, you start with the bone structure and then the muscles that lay on top of that and the skin that lays on. I mean, there's this whole understanding of that, right? Right. Uh, We call that ecrochet, yes. Um, And uh, it's certainly a part of some atelier training. Not all ateliers uh, do that exercise, but many of them do. Uh, And it's a great way to understand the mechanics of the human figure, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... Okay, so uh, um, on your art journey-wise, is there anything else that we may have um, missed that you might want to talk about before we head into talking about track a little bit? Um, uh, just that uh, anybody, what what I'd like to share is that uh, drawing and painting at a highly technical level, it's not a magical thing. No one bops you on the head. There's no talent fairy. Uh, <laughs> it's training with someone who has those skills. And because of the history of the last hundred years where this training fell out of favor, uh, you know, there are very relatively few places to get atelier skills. Uh, but if you connect with those places and they're expanding all the time now because it's become the countercultural movement in art, ironically, mm. uh, you know, if you find the ateliers, uh, that's what you need to do in order to draw and paint at a highly skilled level. Um, and so I would encourage anybody listening that has a desire to paint that way to not buy into this idea of, oh, if I don't have it already, I must not have it, whatever it is. Um, The only thing that you don't have is access to someone with that knowledge already. So if you find those people, you too can draw and paint at at the highest level. Yeah. So let's step back a little bit and talk about, um, you said you had six years at Juliet's Atelier? Um, So I had four years at Juliet's Atelier. I studied with Camille Corey for a year before I landed at Juliet's. Okay. Um, I also spent a summer studying with uh, D. Jeffrey Nims in North Carolina, and I most recently spent a year studying with Paul Ingridson, uh in New Hampshire, although he just moved his atelier to Massachusetts, just outside of Boston and Morant. Uh-huh. Um, and he was a Gamel student who did a lot, who does a lot of work in color. Okay, so take us through. Um, let's just start with Juliet because Juliet's been on the program before and a lot of folks have heard her talk sure. that our, our, our fans are our listeners of the show. Mm-hmm. So talk sure. us through your four years at Juliet's school. I mean, what what was the first year like, the second year, the third year? What were you studying? That kind of conversation. Sure. Um, so the program at that time, and it's always evolving, um, but by the time I went through it, uh, we did one year of drawing, mostly in charcoal. Um, 
and that was the first year. So we would draw from the figure every morning. We would do cast drawings and uh, bark plate copies uh, and still life drawings in the afternoon. Uh, and then the second year, we would paint in grisaille, which means painting in black and white. So we would take all of our drawing skills, but it turns out it's way more difficult to manipulate paint at the same level as charcoal. <laughs> so in theory, we were using the same concepts, right? Like how light, how dark something is, but trying to figure out how to handle paint and control paint is its own skill, right? Right. Um, and, and then by the third year, we would do what uh, we called warm, cool studies. So we would use a very, very limited palette. Um, mostly uh, for still life, we would paint white objects with an ultramarine blue, a burnt sienna, and a white, and that's it. Hmm. And, you know, look and see how things shifted from warm to cool and use the burnt sienna and, and the ultramarine blue to show the shift from warm to cool. Um, so we'd set up these white objects and we'd put orange on the reflected light side and blue on the light side. And so that would kind of purposely cool the lights and warm the shadows uh, to help us see those oranges and, and those blues. Hmm. And then uh, towards the end of that year, we would slowly add colors onto our palette. So, you know, yellow would be added and, you know, slowly expanding the palette until we were in the full color palette. And then our fourth year, again, each of these years we're painting from the figure all morning and uh, life and master copies in the afternoon. So in the fourth year, you'd be, you know, progressing into your full palette and um, painting um, still life objects. Uh, you were expected to do a senior thesis, so you would work with Juliet to come up with an idea for a painting series uh, for your senior thesis or your graduation projects. Yeah. And, and so you were spending at least eight hours a day just totally immersed in learning yes. and creating. Yes. <laughs> Yes, um, technically the school day was six hours a day, but you have to get there a half hour to an hour early to get everything ready to go, and then you're always there late. Um, and then on top of that, there were lectures in the evening and extra workshops you would take in the weekend, so it was very immersive. Wow. Yeah. That's, so then graduation day comes, and I have, I'm a senior. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> and, and I, like, assume... I look back on those four years, and it was a blur. Like, you know, like I remember learning so many things, and I'm so grateful. But like, it, it's hard for me to remember specifically what happened during those four years. Right. Right. Well, and yeah. and that the certain part of your mind just probably just everything else that's going on in the world just kind of shut off because you were in that environment that you know sure. so so intensive and uh, right. Yeah, I'm sure there were, uh, I, I'm assuming that there was some kind of grading scale or something that went on, a review uh, there, process? Yeah, there would be reviews, yeah. I mean, for the most part, if you were there and you were working, you were fine. Um, you know, some people would come into the program and uh, think that atelier training was for them, but then kind of peter out and stop showing up to class, and, and those people tended to not be invited back for the next year. Right. <laughs> Uh, to continue training, but um, it really is uh, what we would call saddle time. If you get your butt in front of your easel every day and you work no matter how hard it is that day, because, you know, it's an emotional journey to, right. to really train at that level. Um, if you think about the stories about classical ballet conservatories or classical music conservatories, like this is up there. With, right, right. So, you know, you, you're with people that are all used to being the best at art of anybody they know. You're all working towards the same goal. You see someone else progress faster than you are and you feel demoralized about it. You know, it, it's as much of an emotional strength exercise as it is learning the skills. Right. 
Yeah, it, I can imagine. <laughs> and I can only imagine. So. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's, that's really interesting. So uh, let's, let's go forward a little bit. And um, like I said, you and I met back at the Representational Art Conference. when, And I think that was either the first or second year that they kicked that off. Um, mm-hmm. Might have been the second year. Um, yeah, I believe it was. Yeah. And, um, and you actually came on and talked a little bit about, uh, attending the conference, uh, as a student, um, and mm-hmm. you know, how fun that was when we were broadcasting live. So not your first time to the show, but, uh, <laughs> and, and that was great fun. Yeah, that it was, it was really mm-hmm. interesting. Um, and I'll never forget when Roger Scruton came in and, and I actually got an chance to interview him. That was pretty cool. Um, so absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, so have you gone every year? I haven't made it every single year, but I have been to a few films. So when they partnered at Miami, I was there. I was at the Amsterdam or sorry, it wasn't Amsterdam, but the city North of Amsterdam in the Netherlands. Um, I know I'm going to butcher the name. It starts in Al Leo Holden. Yeah. Just close. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Close I, enough. I, should I say. apologize to all your viewers <laughs> right now for <laughs> my incompetence. Yeah. At, at, at pronouncing Dutch names. Yeah. It would be the same way. So yeah. Our apologies. <laughs> so. Yes. Uh, so um, that, that was a great conference as well. And really connecting, you know, the Atelier community is much bigger than I even realized. Yeah. And so many great artists doing so many cool things. But the fact that we have these conferences now, like it, it's incredible, like how quickly the atelier movement is growing and and all the interesting, amazing works that are being created because people have access to this knowledge uh, more broadly than they've ever had access to it before in the last hundred years. And uh, it makes me so excited to be a, a part of seeing the growth of skills in in the you know contemporary world. Yeah, I think it's really interesting too because when uh, when track first started out. Um, you really, you know, Michael Pierce, who is one of the founders of the, of the conference, would always say, you know, we're on the show and everything, you know, we're in the middle of a representational revolution and, you know, and it's starting to come back and, and all this. And I, you know, I would be like the, the one, the pessimistic one sitting on the other side (laughs) of the microphone going, yeah, right. Okay, Michael, you know, but, you know, Mm -hmm. bless his heart. (laughs) <laughs> we really are starting to see this and it really oh is my goodness, yeah. we, with the atelier training and um, all of the, the more structure and, and your efforts in education. I mean, this is really is starting to have some, some roots in a resurgence that you know, I'm very happy to see. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting to me is that I really believe that we have to know what's known about our profession in order to be truly progressive and innovative within it. Yes. So, uh, you know, I, I find it wonderful that we are accessing knowledge about what's already known about art for the first time in a hundred years, <laughs> or, mm-hmm. you know, that's been hard to come by mm-hmm. in the last century and really progressing forward and beyond, you know, with our subject matter and, you know, how we're using these skills, you know, so I, I tend not to think of it as going back. I tend to think of it as finally being able to progress beyond anywhere we've ever been before. Right. Yeah. Good way to look at it. And so, um, is this going to be your first time presenting at track? Then? Um, so I presented at the last couple track. Uh, okay. So I, um, I share, you know, what my organization is doing. Um, there's a lot of people in the atelier community that, want to help and be a part of this change, particularly in K-12 education. So I provide training and knowledge and access to those people and how they can connect with art teachers and share their skills with art teachers. Cool. 
So I'm going to talk about, um, can we talk, I should ask this first, I guess, can we talk about what you're mm -hmm. going to present this year? Sure, this, absolutely. This, okay, great. So your the title of your paper is You Say You Want a Revolution. So let's talk about that a little bit. Tell us tell us why you're going to take us down that track. Ha, cute. Sure. <laughs> <Almost> <laughs> so, <that> cute. <laughs> uh, basically, the premise is, is that I hear a lot in the community, oh, I wish I could do something. Or, you know, sometimes we get frustrated because, you know, we try one tack and it doesn't work to, you know, push atelier training forward in some capacity or another. Mm -hmm. um, and basically what my paper is saying is that we need to make a concerted effort not just this one person doing this, this other person doing that. We need to create a plan that we're all executing together in a collective push in order to, uh, you know, make the change that, that we would like to see and how art is taught and how art is accepted into galleries and, and uh, you know, with uh, power brokers in the art world and, and things like that. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's basically a list of to-dos and how to achieve them and how everybody can participate and and help educate um, and that education is really a huge piece of it um, i think sometimes in our world uh we feel like people are against us before we even <laughs> talk about it right so yeah. but if you start with that if you if you go into conversations with your dukes up uh then people are suspicious like what are you hiding right so if you go into your conversations with the assumption of of course this makes sense of course skills are an important part of creating artwork uh you know and also uh, sometimes uh, in our world, there's a lot of um, feeling like we have to talk badly about skillless art uh, or modern art, um, art that doesn't emphasize skills that, you know, emphasizes idea or process. Um, and I, I basically promote that that's, that's not even something that we have to address. Like, why create a battle that we have to win before anybody will listen to why skills are good? We don't have to prove anything else is bad only that skilled work is valid and good. And so by going into these conversations uh, with stakeholders and, and people with power in, in the art world uh, with this idea that, of course, this is the most reasonable thing ever, <laughs> that skills belong in art, and not you know creating a, a, a contentious dialogue uh, leading into it. We don't even have to address that. It's not even a part of the conversation. All we have to do is show that skills are important and good. Yeah, that's it. You know, it takes so much energy <laughs> in the convention <laughs> part. Yeah, you, you get where I'm going with this. I mean, there's so yeah. much energy that is spent, you know, disproving something or mm -hmm. taking a particular stance that mm -hmm. by the time that you so-called win the argument, if you if you win the argument, <laughs> it can go on for who knows eternity. You know, it, there's like no energy left to do. You know, to to like celebrate after the victory, or or, or say that you were right, right. or whatever. I mean, so yeah, so keep that energy out of it, and just you know, go right into um, to the creation part and and the skills needed to do that creation. That makes a, a lot of sense. Yeah, and and just keeping it that simple of a message, and and unifying that message across the board. Uh, you know, sometimes in the atelier community, we um, have a hard time even agreeing on what we're called. Right. right. <laughs> like, are we classical realists? Are we realists? And, you know, everybody has a, a strong opinion with good reasons for that strong opinion. But, um, you know, why don't we just decide what we care about and collectively push for that? Like, I don't even care what it's called. Let's just move forward. And, you know, with a plan that we're collectively executing uh, to educate the populace, because it is maybe it's because my background's in education. But to me, I see uh you know, everything through the lens of education. And 
what we have is a population that that is not aware that we even exist right that mm -hmm. that don't even think that um realistic artwork can happen in today's world right because most of them haven't seen it happen or know how it happens or uh, they've been taught uh, at some point in their lives that oh you either have it or you don't so it can only happen if you get bopped on the head by a talent fairy um, mm -hmm. so there's a lot of misinformation that is uh, popular right now and we need to educate in a non-confrontational way how skills are learned and taught why they're good to you know for contemporary art being made um, that skills are one of many ways to communicate visually and uh, that they're important uh, for for artists and non-artists for that matter um, you know I think about how you know, people who see more colors than you can teach you to see colors you've never seen before. Right. Like, that's amazing, right? And mm -hmm. if you go to any atelier and start painting, you know, that's one of the first things you realize is, oh my gosh, you know, I never saw that color before until you pointed it out, but now I see it, right? Yeah. Um, you know, how many scientists are missing really important scientific discoveries in their Petri dishes because they don't see that color shift? Right. right. Uh, how many surgeons are making bad cuts because they don't understand what the living figure looks like because they train on cadavers. Right. Mm -hmm. So yep. uh, it's not just for artists that we need skills in art. It's it's a visual language that can benefit everybody. And we're depriving every profession and every human being when we deprive them of what's known about visual literacy. Yes, absolutely. I was just one of the things I was thinking back on is when I was young and attain, attending like second, third, fourth grade, something like that, I, I went to a Catholic school. And, you know, when I think about art class at that time, it was, you know, okay, sit down, take your crayons out, you know, draw a tree or paint, you know, color a tree. Or there was never really, there wasn't, I mean, all through my primary education, there wasn't a lot of emphasis on learning the skills of art. It was, um, I guess you could say when I was little, it was on the path of um, people believing that art wasn't an essential thing uh, to mm -hmm. teach. And I think we're still mm -hmm. in part of that, but thanks to you, we're, you know, try, hopefully getting that message out that it is essential for the very reasons that you just stated, all the different uh, professions that it could touch if they were taught to see differently. Sure. I mean, we have entire conversations and emojis. And yet we know less as a society about how our eye sees imagery than a hundred years ago. Right. 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 It, we have access to the internet. We have more knowledge on more subjects than ever before in human history. And yet somehow we know less about understanding what our eye is seeing because we've stopped sharing this training and knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really kind of interesting because I, you know, I have adult students who basically were learning at this, you know, around the same time that I was mm -hmm. and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, they'll be looking at something that they want to paint and I have to figure out some, you know, the math that is involved in it. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, see, right. don't, don't you wish that you were, <laughs> don't you wish that we had better art classes when we were younger? Yeah, so, right. But I mean, it, it's right. just there, it touches on so many disciplines and um, oh, people sure. want to be so dismissive of, you know, oh, well, we, our kids don't need to, they don't need art, you know? And it's like, yeah, they do. They well, really do on a number well, of different levels. Yeah. I would argue a part of the reason art has gone by the wayside, uh, particularly in public education, is that the music teachers, you know, they have kids that don't know how to hold an instrument at the beginning of the year, and then they can play a concert at the end of the year. And parents, administrators, 
um, stakeholders, they all see the growth in knowledge and skill in the students. Mm. But because skill has been de-emphasized in art education in favor of process or uh, this cloud of what's often called creativity, but that nobody can define the same way, mm. uh, you know, they you know they come out of class with some paint splattered on canvas maybe or some sort of exploratory process based thing uh, where they melt crayons together to make a new crayon. Um, but it's hard for parents, it's hard for anybody outside of this um, feedback loop in education to understand or see or, or value the growth that's happening there. Now, I'm not anti-exploratory concepts and art or anything like that. It's just that, you know, all other fields like have a contemporary and classical tradition, right? We have garage bands in music and we have classical music. We have classical ballet and we have, you know, conceptual modern dance, right? Uh, and art, for some reason, is the only one that issues the, the known skills in our field, uh, which seems insane to me. Like, I, I cannot support purposely withholding knowledge from children because we're afraid of ruining their creativity. I think that's criminal. Mm. So did you run into someone who was challenging in that or? Um, I mean, you know, I have to be very careful when I'm speaking because um, there are a lot of really wonderful art teachers. I love all the art teachers I work with, actually. Um, but the way art teachers are trained at universities to be art teachers and the way the profession generally supports art education is by really emphasizing process, mm-hmm. um, emphasizing creativity based um, lessons. And it's not that I think those things are bad. I think creativity is very important. Um, it just, unfortunately, they aren't able to see how having skills is also a creative choice, right? Uh, right. And that it gives you more choices to be creative. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, because um, most art teachers, including myself, I was teaching in the classroom without access to this knowledge, um, you know, it can be intimidating to try to learn these skills once going through the college experience, right? And we've right. been teaching in classroom for quite some time. So, I have so much admiration and respect for teachers who are coming to train with me and, and going to ateliers and willing to learn these skills because they value education. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, yeah, so interesting. So um, we've been talking, chatting for about 45 minutes, and I've kind of gone through my list of questions and uh, was wondering if there's anything you else you want to add, Mandy. So. I, think I would just like to, <laughs> I'd just like to add that anybody, you know, that would like to support um, seeing the change in, in seeing a sea change in culture where skills are, are valued again, I would encourage you to reach out to your state's art education association. So if you're in Colorado, look for Colorado Art Education Association. If you're in New Hampshire, look for New Hampshire Art Education Association um, and offer to teach a workshop or connect with them. Um, and share, uh, you know, you can support us by donating to the Da Vinci Initiative. So if you feel that what we're doing is important, I, I, I would be so honored if you would show that with a donation that allows us to do this really important work with teachers across the country. Cool. And um, get, once again, to say the uh, two different web addresses that you talked about earlier. <laughs> sure. So uh, you can make donations at www.davinciinitiative.org. And you can look up at our in-person training workshops, our summer workshops and our after-school programs for teachers at davinciinitiativeatelier.org. Okay. So, um, I, you know, I had a question and that just went completely out of my mind. <laughs> so, I hate when that happens. But, um, okay, I think we pretty much covered a lot of stuff wow. here. And um, your journey continues. I look forward to seeing you next week at Tracks. So 
next next I look forward to seeing you too. Yeah, yeah. that'll be great. Yeah, week after I think it starts the thirty first, um, and yeah. goes through the fourth or fifth. I can't remember right offhand. I think it's the fourth, April fourth. It's in mm-hmm. Ventura, California. Mandy and I are going to be there and presenting papers. And um, yeah, yeah. I think I'm on Monday, and I think you're on the fourth. Is that correct? I believe so, but I need to double check. Yeah, that. you know, I got the website up. I can look right here. Yeah, day four. So April third, okay. April third. Yeah. So um, if you anybody out there that's listening to us, if you're going to be at track, please stop in and cheer us on in our <laughs> paper presentations and um, yes, and say, say hello. Hi. Yes, absolutely. Say yeah. hello. And um, you know, well, you know, who knows who's going to be hanging around the bar out there. <laughs> <laughs> but a bunch of us probably all talking about yeah. everything that 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 comes under track but um it'll look good and mandy again thank you for for coming on to the show and talking about uh your passion and your journey it, it was wonderful to hear from you thank you so much for having me yeah so okay so everybody tune in again soon um i think our i don't have an artist lined up for next month but i do have a writer and um lined up for next month. So more about that um, in my newsletter. So uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. And we'll catch you next time. Bye, everybody.